it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who is not in big trouble with the feds. Wow. Check this one out. Hunter Biden admitting through his lawyers that his laptop is real. Which means that Joe Biden was a bad, bad boy during his time as VP. He should be behind bars. We don't know that he's going to jail, uh, but we do know he is going out to pasture as it pertains to the 2024 election. This guy now has no shot of getting back into the White House. Tell him like it is. And we will do exactly that with Ainsley Earhart co-host of Fox and Friends, a woman way too classy for this program, but she is going to stop by. (laughs) She's going to get in the mud with us. And, of course, North Carolina Representative Greg Murphy uh, will also be chiming in. 888-788-9910 if you want to be a part of today's lineup. 888-788-9910. I say every day on the show, it's an audio safe space for cool People don't care how you vote. Don't care. You know, none of that stuff matters here. I am not an activist. I am a talk show host. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how dumb you are. No, ma'am. You could be a Republican. You could be a Democrat. Just don't be a. That is all. Happy Thursday, everybody. Got a big day of television coming up on your telly. I will be on with the great Dagan McDowell and Sean Duffy tonight on the bottom line, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then at 9 o'clock, I'll be joining Sean Hannity in front of a live studio audience right here at the Fox News headquarters, where we will, of course, be discussing the dereliction of duty in the run-up to the 2020 election as it pertains to the Hunter Biden laptop. Journalism in this country is dead and buried. So the Hunter Biden camp, his legal team, has done a complete... 180 on this laptop. I'm going to play some clips of him saying, no, no, I didn't drop off a laptop. wasn't mine, too, after the election. Well, it could have been mine. I mean, I don't know. I was on so many drugs. To his lawyers are now filing a cease and desist letter against places like the New York Post and Fox News and saying, fine, the whole thing is true, but you had no business to be looking at my information anyway. You gotta do better than that. That's what it's come down to. And the reason this is significant is, you know, Hunter's credibility is really not an issue one way or the other. If he's selling influence in the government, again, technically could be illegal, okay, but it really only matters if his father is involved, if his father is directly benefiting from the sale of this access is when things really get precarious for a guy like Joe Biden. Well, lo and behold, Biden has lied so many times about this story. You know, if you remember during the election at first, it was, well, you know, I've never talked to my son about his business dealings. Never, not once. You're alive. I mean, think about that. Then we saw pictures of him meeting with his son's business associates. We saw emails thanking his son for the meeting with Joe Biden. So obviously they talked about business dealings. Then it became what? Well, this laptop Russian disinformation. This isn't a real thing. You're a bald faced liar. A liar. Okay, understand 
and now we've pulled it all the way over to, well, yeah, fine, all of those things were lies, but I'm telling the truth when I say that you've got no business covering this. What an idiot. Let me give you some of this. Let me just walk you through some of the sound because it's fascinating stuff. Okay, Hunter Biden, okay, if you remember, all the way back in 2020 when this thing came out, was initially saying, I didn't drop off a laptop. What the hell are you talking about? This is clip two. And you didn't drop off a laptop to no. be repaired no. in Delaware? Not no. that I remember at all. At all. So we'll see. I mean, there you go. So no, I don't remember. I don't drop off a laptop in Delaware. I don't remember that. We'll see. That was before the election. Here he is after the election. This is 2021, clip one. Was that your laptop? For real, I don't know. I know, but, but you know that this is I really a, don't know okay. if the answer is. That's you don't know yes or no if the laptop was yours. I don't have any yours. idea. I have no idea. So it could have been yours. Of course, certainly. It, 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 there could be a laptop out there that was stolen from me. There could be that I was hacked. It could be that it was, the, that it was Russian intelligence. It could be that it was stolen from me. So it went from, no, definitely not mine. Didn't drop it off to, it could be. Could have been stolen. Could have been hacked. I'm sick and tired of all this bullshit. Well, yesterday, after it definitely wasn't mine, after months later it became it could be, but I doubt it, yesterday in a 14-page letter to Delaware's attorney general, Hunter Biden's lead attorney alleges that Mr. Mac Isaac, who was the Delaware computer repair person who had Hunter's laptop, they're alleging that Mac Isaac's intentional Reckless and unlawful conduct allowed for hundreds of gigabytes of Mr. Biden's personal data without any discretion to be circulated around the Internet. When you're making the allegation that this guy was circulating your personal data, that means you just admitted it was true. Oh, wow. Cease and desist letter went out. To Miranda Devine, you hear her on the show all the time. Last night she was talking to Laura Ingram. Let me give you a sample of that. It's clip eight. Basically, Hunter Biden, through his lawyers, has admitted that, yes, the laptop is his. It's not Russian disinformation, <laughs> as those 51 dishonest intelligence officials told us. It's his laptop, which we've been telling people for more than two years. And finally, they've admitted it with this um, kind of ridiculous attempt to... Uh, go on the offensive. Um, I think John Paul MacIsaac, who I spoke to this afternoon for our story tomorrow, um, put it best. He said, uh, when you're over the target, the flak becomes even heavier. <laughs> and so I think that there's panic in the Biden camp. Yeah. Hunter's a dirtbag. I mean, but that was kind of a known thing. He is a dirtbag. Uh, but the fact remains, this was election interference. Okay, in the run-up to the 2020 election, everybody who talks to you about protecting democracy and everything in between and election integrity, this was election interference. They knowingly turfed a story that linked the Democratic nominee for the White House, the now sitting president, to a massive influence peddling scheme through his son. At the time this was going on, his son's living, breathing business partners came forward to say Joe Biden was getting a cut of the money. Are you the big man, Joe? No. What Biden said in 2020, here's the sound, is that this was all a Russian plant. This isn't a real thing. Would you stop it? Here is Biden in the final presidential debate against Donald Trump trying to put this thing to bed by saying 50 former Intel officials 
They wrote a letter. This is nothing. Here it is. Clip three. There are 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plant. They have said that this is, has all the care. Four, five former heads of the CIA, both parties, say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. Nobody believes it except the, his and his good friend Rudy Gianni. I mean, really think about that. Okay, Joe Biden, it's a bunch of garbage. Nobody believes that except him. Except for his son, who's flat out admitting through his attorneys that the whole thing is real. Bingo. Why is this significant? Because when you're admitting it's real, when you're admitting the contents are real, when you're now following, filing court orders to try and sue the people who shared this real information, okay, you are down to your last straw. Oh, Lordy Lord, he's desperate. Okay, you understand. This story started out as, Hunter, is that your laptop? No. Election comes and goes, Hunter, is that your laptop? Maybe. Now we're a year into the investigation into Hunter Biden. The Republicans now have control of the House. Hunter, is that your laptop? Yeah. And you had no business sharing it. Never once should that have gotten out there. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? What's going on is they're trying to engage in a retroactive attempt at ass covering. But Joe Biden was lying his old droopy nuts off at every turn when he was asked about this story. And the reason that's significant is you have to understand Barack Obama's Treasury Department had over 150 suspicious activity reports relating to Hunter Biden's overseas business dealings, meaning they themselves were like, what the hell's going on? Now, understand, if what's going on isn't a problem, Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, Jim Biden, hear about the laptop and go, yeah, it's true. What the hell are you doing with the laptop? It's true. How the hell did you get it? Why is it there? Why are we talking about this? But instead, at every turn, they fought and kicked and screamed to say it was false. And they've continued to change their narrative about how false or, you know, how we went about getting it or what went on. Okay, as this story started to see more attention because the Republicans took back the House. This is what's happened. And, and you need to know this is true. This is crazy, but this is true. Okay, every big media outlet killed this in the run-up to the 2020 election because they didn't want the liability for the Democratic nominee just weeks before the election. In the aftermath of the election, they wanted to distance themselves from the cover-up. So places like the New York Times, the Washington Post, wrote op-eds flat out explaining that, yes, turns out the laptop was true after all. That's why I don't read the newspaper, because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. And then what happened was when the Republicans in the midterms took back the House of Representatives and now had the power of oversight and investigation, people like Hunter Biden started to find Jesus on whether or not the laptop was real. Why? Because they now have to say it was false under oath. He knows what he's talking about. And you understand if they've got to go under oath and say it's not real when in fact they know it's real, they're now facing real criminal liability. Bingo, man, bingo. So you understand this is unraveled dramatically over the course of the last few months. 
But the bigger takeaway here is not Hunter's a dirtbag and we've been lied to by politicians. Those things have been going on since the beginning of time. Okay, the bigger takeaway here is that if the laptop is real, the emails are real. If the emails are real, that means Joe Biden was directly benefiting. We have a sitting president of the United States that was selling interest in our government as a vice president. He was doing it in Ukraine. He was doing it in China. He was doing it in Russia. Okay, and if that's the case, if Joe Biden is compromised, we are compromised. Now, this is compounded by the fact that we're watching all of these FBI searches on Biden's home. And again, they read like a two-tiered system of justice. They raided Donald Trump's house with the guns out, the sirens blaring, and the news cameras in tow. Joe Biden was given a two-week heads up that they were going to be coming by to check for documents. That's not right. No, it's, I mean, really. In what world if are you potentially suspected of committing a crime so the FBI calls you up and says, hey, we're going we're to come by in two weeks? Come on, man, that would give you a window to destroy the evidence or do what you could to get rid of it. Okay, which is exactly what they did for Biden. But the problem here is that the Republicans aren't taking their foot off the gas in terms of just flat out establishing that this is real. Okay, the story is real. Now, the DOJ may kid glove the Bidens. They may not go to prison. Okay, but the light of day is upon this story. The Republicans are not going to stop surfacing proof that the laptop is real. And I know that's true because Hunter's flat out admitting to it. Okay, he understood the inevitable. So we've gone from no, it's not real, to it could be real, to sure it's real, but it's not any of your business. Okay, it's plenty of our business because it involves a sitting president of the United States who very well looks to be involved in a major league influence peddling scheme. I mean, the Bidens are just absolute garbage. That's true. That is true. But you understand, regardless, we were lied to. Biden said he never talked to his son once about his business dealings. Mm. We now know that's not true. Biden said he never once met his son's business partners. Mm. No, it's not true. Biden said what? The laptop is Russian disinformation. It's a plan. It's garbage. Mm. We know that's not true. So you understand 2024 and people say Biden's going to run again and, you know, Ron Klain just left his chief of staff position so he could run the campaign. This guy's got another shot. Joe Biden is finished. It's finished. It's beyond. It's irredeemable now in terms of the sociopathic of lies he's been engaged in. Okay, whether or not he gets some type of criminal liability out of this remains to be seen. But we know he's finished. Okay, they could try to run him. He's finished. Okay, the public is now acknowledging this is a real story. There's no getting over that. Vote for me and me and my crackhead son will sell more influence overseas. I don't know that that's a winning slogan for 2024. And I think Joe Biden, as far as 2024 is concerned, it's basically just Hunter Biden's laptop, excuse me, and Hunter Biden's blood alcohol content, if you wanted to get technical, because it's all over. And it's not over because he's old and he's in a state of cognitive decline. Okay, it's not over because we're a bunch of racists and we won't vote for a progressive agenda. It's over because Joe Biden is completely full of.
White House girls send Biden to bed early because he's really old and he's senile. He makes up so much crap the country's worried. He's lying like it's going out of style. You can't hide Joe Biden's lies. For a while they made some try. I thought by now they'd realize there ain't no way to hide Joe Biden's lies. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. We have a president whose son's laptop from hell gets taken over and exposes massive corruption like nobody's ever seen before. You think the father, do you ever hear this? Do you think the father was upset? Uh, Dad, I left my laptop in a repair shop. Forgot to pick it up, and this repair guy went a little crazy when he saw what was on it. What's on it, son? Every crime that you've ever committed, pa. <laughs> Now, at what point does the father get angry? You know, like, this kid is not working out well for me. <laughs> and then the FBI goes and convinces the media that it's Russian disinformation. <laughs> Joe Biden deserves to be driven from office and disgraced. He really does. The one thing you can't sleep on Trump for, he's funny. Like, this guy's getting back onto the campaign trail. We know DeSantis is going to run. Nikki, Nikki Haley says it's her race to lose. Wrong. Okay, it's going to be a pretty crowded field. But the fact remains, you know, the reason Trump has as much heat as he does within the party is, like, stuff like that's funny. It's funny. It's true. And nobody likes sticking the Democrats' nose in it, the Washington elite's nose in it, more than he does. So who the hell knows where it's going to go from here? But as far as Joe Biden is concerned, this dude looks done. I agree with that. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fail. A busy day on the program. Ainsley Earhart, co-host of Fox and Friends, going to be stopping by in the next hour. We're also going to be talking with North Carolina Representative Greg Murphy. 
uh, both of whom will have to weigh in on the latest developments involving Joe Biden's big document dump at his house. Uh Oh, I'm in trouble. So what happened yesterday is really interesting is the FBI showed up to Biden's Rehoboth Beach beach house. Uh, What's noteworthy here is Biden was just at the beach house two weeks ago with his lawyers looking around. This was what we're now being called a planned search, meaning they gave Biden a heads up that they were coming, which is a nice way of saying, hey, we know you got some bad stuff. Get rid of it before we find it. I mean, really weird looking stuff if justice is supposed to be blind and in and out and all of that stuff. But what we've come to find out is the language used by the Biden White House. Really interesting. They didn't they said they didn't find any documents with classified markings. No documents, classified markings. Now, does that mean they didn't find classified information? The answer would be no. No, because you could have classified information just written on another document, written by hand. And what we've been told is that they seized a voluminous amount of Biden's handwritten notes. Come on, man. But I want you to hear this. This is crazy. They sent Ian Sams out. He's, a you know, the uh, White House counsel. He is the spokesperson for the White House counsel. Okay, they sent him out to the reporters yesterday because this is a big game. You know the whole saying, like, adults are talking, sit down. Well, KJP was basically told yesterday, you know, adults are talking. We're going to send somebody else out here. Here is Ian Sam, spokesperson for the White House uh, Council, which is overseeing Joe Biden's legal defense here, uh, explaining to Fox News whether or not anyone in the family, meaning besides Joe, Hunt, which would mean Hunter in this instance, they want to know if anybody in the family had access to the documents. A very curious answer. Here it is, clip six. You said the search was planned. How long was it planned for? Were there any parameters for the search? You said they searched everything on the property. And then the other question, I mean, was there any reason to believe that anybody else in the Biden family would have also had access to these same documents? Yeah, I, I'm not going to speak to sort of the negotiations or discussions or uh, uh, collaborations between the president's personal attorney and DOJ in establishing the search. We're cooperating fully with so the Justice Department. We're cooperating fully with the Justice Department and ensuring that they have access to the house, uh, the Rehoboth House today, the Wilmington House uh, previously, to uh, be able to do a thorough search. And it's because the president uh, is moving quickly to get them access to the information that they need so that they can move forward with a thorough review that's thorough and that's done efficiently. Don't change the subject. Just answer the f-ing question. No, he's not answering the question. Did anybody have access to the documents? Well, if a train leaves Chicago at the same time that a flight takes off from Miami and a guy gets on a car in Pennsylvania, that's essentially what was going on right there. You suck, you jackass. They don't want to speak to whether or not anybody had access, which tells you what, that they probably did. Dun, dun, da. Because here's a newsflash. If nobody had access, they tell you nobody had access. But why won't they say it in this instance? Because they could be asked that question under oath. I'm telling you, that boy's a genius. But here is Ian Sams. After that first criminal dodge was out of the way. Speaking to allegations that the White House told the National Archives to not disclose discovery of the documents. Now, this is significant. Why? Because someone leaked the fact that the National Archives wanted to put out a statement relating to Joe Biden's handling of classified documents and were told to shut up. They were told that they couldn't. 
They were told, you better not say a word about these documents. This is absolutely gross. you damn right it is. It's real authoritarian protectionism right there. But here is Ian Sams speaking to those allegations, or at least attempting not to speak to those allegations. A little bit of swerving going on. Clip seven. There's reporting that came from the House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer, who says that in his conversations with the National Archives, they communicated that they were told, the archives was told it could not release a press release at whatever point it was about the discovery of classified documents. Did anyone at the White House tell them not to do that? Yeah, I don't know anything about that. I, if that's actually what he said, it's probably better to ask the archives if that's actually what was said and, and try to understand a little bit more what he meant. Oh, so I'll say it again. Don't change the subject. Just answer the f-ing question. Okay, so what you're seeing here is a coordinated effort to cover this thing up. And understand, it's been a Russian doll box, a Russian doll box of just bull. Okay, really think about it. First, it was, well, we found the documents in the Penn Biden Center, but it's the only place there were documents. So thanks for coming, everybody. Drive safe. Then it became, well, we found the documents in the garage, but it was only in the Penn Biden Center, the garage. So thanks for coming, everybody. Drive safe. Well, we found the documents in the house. But it was only the house and the garage and the Penn Biden Center. So thanks. Well, we found more documents in the house. Wouldn't you know it? They're now raiding the Delaware Beach House. But it was only the house in two different locations, the garage, the Penn Biden Center. And now they're going through our place in Rehoboth Beach. Biden is such a disaster. But they're going to great lengths to shut up the archives. They're going to great lengths to not address the fact that Hunter Biden was listing Joe Biden's house as his place of business. If he was staying at that house, paying $50,000 a month in rent, it means he had access to everything there. The reason this is significant is because if, in fact, this kid was selling access to our government to fund his lifestyle, which was pretty lavish, i got to be honest, a lot of drugs and a lot of hookers. Hubba, hubba. But the point is... If he was sitting in a house trying to finance that lifestyle and had access to classified information that I got got to tell you a lot of people would pay good money for, then Biden may have very well compromised our national security. Now, I'm not saying that to you as like a Fox News host that wants to get you mad at Joe Biden. Okay, I am just pointing directly to the very words of a Democrat in the Senate by the name of Mark Warner. Here is Mark Warner from the great state of Virginia. Flat out saying we got to make sure there's not an intelligence compromise. This is a mess. It's clip 14. Our job's not to figure out if somebody mishandled those. But our job is to make sure there's not an intelligence compromise. And while the director of national intelligence had been willing to brief us earlier, now that you've got the special counsel, the notion that we're going to be left in limbo and we can't do our job, that just cannot stand. Nope, can't stand. And that's a Democrat flat out saying It can't stand. What in God's name is he doing? Okay, to his credit, he's standing up for what's right and decent and what's good for the country. So in this instance, a round of applause to a guy like Mark Warner. Because we need more people in Washington that really are putting country over party, man. This is the thing. The whole ethos of the show is what do I say to you every day? You know, I don't care who you vote for. We're all supposed to be teammates. As America goes, we go. Okay, we're seeing a lot. A lot to indicate that America could very well be compromised. At the very least, 
one of America's first kids, is wildly compromised. He has changed his story from, nope, not mine, to could be mine, to yeah, it's mine, so what? But the so what is the fact that he is very actively trading on his father's name while he's a sitting member of our government. Joe Biden spent eight years as vice president under Barack Obama. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did. The other thing that happened is the narrative around these documents has become very evasive and it has changed. And CNN of all people, CNN of all people called this out talking to Kate Bedingfield. CNN is the worst. They are. But here's a random act of journalism, as the late, great Rush Limbaugh would say. Here is a moment in time. Remember Whitney Houston saying one moment in time? Here is one moment in time where CNN demonstrated some intellectual curiosity and asked the tough question. It's clip 11. If you are indeed being transparent, why the continued trickle of disclosure around these classified documents? We have released multiple statements from the White House, and President Biden's personal attorney has released multiple statements over the last month uh, walking through the process and agreeing to be fully, fully cooperative with the Justice Department. It's nothing more than white noise coming from the White House. Think about it. We've released multiple statements. Now, why? Are you ready for it? Why have they released multiple statements and not one statement? The reason being is because their story has changed multiple times. Think about this. The question was, if you're indeed being transparent, why the continued trickle of disclosure about these documents? Which is basically saying, how come we keep getting so many statements? If you're being transparent, how come the story always needs updating? And her defense of that is what? Well, it's, it's updating because the story is changing. But if the story is changing, that means you weren't honest in the first place. Correct the mundo. I can't imagine how they feel about this up in Del- in Vermont. Let's go to Dennis and Salisbury. Dennis! Jimmy. My man. Whatever you're paying that call screener, it's not enough. But what they're <laughs> paying me is not enough either, so it all works out. <laughs> Jimmy, um, I, just, I was listening to you about the $50,000 a month that Hunter was allegedly paying the president who released his tax return. And it should be a simple... Uh, skin of the tax returns released, whether the president reported that income on his tax return. Mm -hmm. Because that's how they got Al Capone. Yep. Well, listen, I don't think, in all honesty, I don't think they want to get Biden. I think with the meaning, the FBI giving him a heads up saying it's a planned search is a very polite way of saying, get rid of everything before we show up. And they may very well have done that, save for some handwritten notes that they didn't think to get rid of in the Biden camp. Um, But that being said, this story, seeing the light of day on the level it now has, this will finish off Biden because between the age, the fact that, you know, 70 percent of Americans think the country's headed in the wrong direction and the fact that we do now have him on record as lying as demonstrably as he has about the story. I don't know that any media outlet wants to chase this down to the ends of the earth and see Hunter thrown in jail. But in terms of political jail like Biden's, he's definitely heading there. Yeah, I haven't seen I haven't seen uh, Vermont on your itinerary. Oh, it's coming. We're going to work it out. I have I have so many places to be, man. Like a lot of West Coast stuff coming up. We're going to Reno. We're going to Seattle, Sacramento. 
Idaho, you know, you name it, man. We're going to be there. We've even just added another summer show out in California in August that I'm not allowed to announce yet. But Vermont is a road trip. That's me, Jenny, and Lincoln in the Bronco. Maybe we even bring Mikey so he can try to break the state record for liquor consumption again. But uh, it's coming. Yeah, all those places are out in the sticks. You got to come to Vermont. <laughs> I do I know? Listen, man, I, I had the best time there at the Spank Puppy last year, and I don't doubt we really will be back. We just have to work out a date. Tell tell Kurt in the morning uh, to get with me and let's work something out. Those guys over at the Spank Puppy, tell them uh, to make some moves. All right, pal. I'll let them know. You're okay. the best, Dennis. Good call. There goes the great Dennis in Salisbury, Vermont. Eight eight eight. Seven eight eight nine nine one zero. If you want a piece of this action, but right now the thing I wanted to talk to you about is you know JD Vance made a good comment yesterday. He was on primetime with Jesse Waters, uh, a show you will see me on this coming Wednesday, February the eighth. Hey girl, uh, but here is Vance uh, explaining that it really does look to objective observers like the FBI is trying to give Biden. The soft landing. It's clip nine. It's ridiculous. This is not a real investigation if they're giving the subject of the investigation a heads up hours and days before they stop by. Uh, it's it's like, you know, if somebody was dealing fentanyl and the FBI gave them a call three days beforehand and said, you know, we're going to stop by your house and check on things. Uh, of course, you're not going to find anything wrong. And this, again, goes to the heart of the unfairness. Clearly, the leadership of the FBI has decided that Joe Biden is going to be treated with kid gloves, even though we know this is a pattern of mishandling classified documents. It's true. It's people with a dirty mind that think like that. Seriously. Okay. They're giving him an off-ramp in the sense that, hey, we're going to come by and look for stuff. Okay, if you were dealing drugs and the Fed said we're coming by Friday, 9 o'clock, to search for drugs, are you going to keep the drugs in your house? The answer would be no. And that's the basic equivalence of what they did here. Hey, uh, you've been lying to us about classified information. We found it in multiple locations, despite your insistence it was only in one. So we're going to come by and search for more of it in a few weeks. We better not find anything. I mean, what is that? That's not a search. That's a heads up. That's a, you know, almost a fixed game. But what we see going on, and it's really interesting, is the FBI is now announcing they want to go to Pence's house and see if he had any documents. They, of course, raided Mar-a-Lago. You know, they've given Biden this heads up and found some stuff there. It very well reads... Like they're still holding on to hope of charging Donald Trump by saying, look, we held everybody to the same standard. We looked at everybody's houses. But what Trump had was so much worse. That's a lot of what we seem to be witnessing right now. But the problem is under the, you know, under the eyes of the law, okay, if you were prosecuting one of them, you'd be prosecuting all of them. But the reason they're a lot less likely to prosecute Trump under the eyes of the law is he's the only guy involved here that was a president that had the ability to declassify things. Now, that's not to say he declassified everything they found at his house, but he has a lot more authority than anybody else who happens to be holding on to this stuff. The only real difference in terms of the appetite to get Trump versus them is that we had the story run out there. Oh, he was selling the nuclear codes. Oh, he was giving information to our closest allies and their nuclear programs to some of our enemies. He was selling it for big money. That was the story. It was made up by these sick people. Very well seems that way. And a lot of times Trump is getting charged of exactly what the Democrats themselves are doing. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. The show that's not afraid to hit the road. The stars at night are big and bright. 
This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Don't tell me that this is about an abdi- a condemnation of anti-Semitic remarks when you have a member of the Republican caucus who, have, who has talked about Jewish space lasers and, and an entire amount of trust and also elevated her to some of the highest committee assignments in this body. This is about targeting women of color in the, in the United States of America. Don't tell me because I didn't get a single apology when my life was threatened. Thank you. Oh, shut up, woman. That's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez saying it was wrong to remove the squad members from the intel committees. It was Ilan Omar about what? What was she removed from again? It was, yeah, the Foreign Affairs Committee, Ilan Omar, who famously did what? Uh, said some pretty questionable things about the Jewish community. AOC is a dope. Okay, but there she was getting loud and fiery. It's racism. It's race. You don't understand. It's women of color. and uh, Shut up, fool. They've got, it's so crazy, and it's so dangerous and bad for our society. Like, we live in an era where people's emotions are their facts. So when you get these raving idiots like AOC yelling and screaming that everything's racist, they're appealing to a lot of other low-IQ, intellectually lazy people who love gravitating towards allegations of racism because it makes them feel better about themselves. Hey, whoa, well, at least not racist like that other guy. What do he do again? Oh, he... Remove the woman from the committee who was bashing the Jews. Like, wait, wait, what? What the hell did you just say? That's what AOC is doing in this moment. She's alleging racism by defending the woman who slandered the Jewish community. This is the biggest schmuck I've ever met. I mean, it really is. AOC, weapons grade stupid. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Here we go, here we go, coming to you live from the greatest country in the world. Broadcasting from the tippy top of the Fox News headquarters here in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, and we are happy to be high above ground in this moment because we've got a crime crisis in this city that has gotten just absolutely out of control. This could be a problem. It's a big problem. We're going to discuss it with Ainsley Earhart. She is, of course, the co-host of Fox & Friends right here on the Fox News Channel, a New Yorker like myself who has really watched the city go to hell under Democratic leadership. And the reason we get into this on a nationwide show that's also listened to around the world is because what's happening in New York is really a metaphor for what's happening everywhere else. And that woke bail reforms have turned our cities into a hellhole. Everything woke turns to It's exactly what's going on. It's not a good one, man. You know, it's a Thursday. I'm in a good mood. I'm going to be on Fox Business later with Dagan McDowell and Sean Duffy. And, of course, they are thrilled to have me on set. That is balderdash and hogwash and mm-hmm. Well, the point is I'll be on the show, whether they like it or not. And I will be on with the great Sean Hannity, tonight at 9 o'clock in front of a live studio audience. But we've really got to, you know, keep that audience in our prayers as they attempt to make it into the studio. New York is bad right now, okay? No different than San Francisco or Chicago and Milwaukee, Detroit, Philadelphia, all of these cities 
where crime rates are surging, and the one common thread is that they're all led by Democrats. I think he's got a point. We got to a really dumb place in this country where we started to develop more sympathy, more empathy for the criminal than we did for the cop. That was the fallout of the summer of 2020. In a post-George Floyd world, we had people with a straight face saying it was time to defund the police. That's stupid! Use your common sense. Is it ever? But it didn't stop these Democrats from saying it. Yes, I support the defund movement because this is about the the um, investment in our communities, which have so, historically been divested. Not only do we need to defund, but we need to dismantle and start anew. Why use the word defund? Why use the word defund? And it's like, this is the word that's coming from the streets. Defund the police does not mean abolish the police. It means a dramatic reduction in the number of police in our poor communities. I am for defunding the police. Look, the reality is we can't rely upon the police to provide public safety. It's a moment to reimagine policing, to take things off the shoulders. And what we also want is a reconception of how we achieve public safety. How do we take out many of the responsibilities that police officers are now dealing with by investing more into housing, into education, into these other things? You know, in in many cities in America, over one third of their city budget goes to police. So we have to have this conversation. What are we doing? She is a fraud, a phony, a woman without a moral core, a regular two-faced, mealy-mouthed politician who swings with the wind. Is she ever? Because that's Kamala Harris, who, of course, yesterday spoke at the funeral for Tyree Nichols, a man who was wrongfully killed by five Memphis police officers, many of whom were wrongfully hired because the city had to relax its recruiting standards They had to relax its hiring thresholds in a post-2020 world where nobody wanted to be a cop anymore. You see, the vast majority of the men and women who put on a uniform are great people. They're heroes. They're risking their lives. They, you know, grew up watching movies and wanting to be the good guy, the guy who saves the day, the guy who saves the innocent victims. That's who the vast majority of cops happen to be. But the folks with the good sense to want to be the good guys have been driven towards a mass exodus from the police force because nobody in their right mind wants to work such a thankless profession where you could ultimately wind up losing your life to protect a public that doesn't show you any respect or appreciation anyway. Again, we had people saying, defund the police. A lot of them, like the squad members, meant no cops at all. Some of them, like Eric Holder, meant less cops. But what did both recommendations conclude with? More empathy for the criminals than the guys we pay to stop them. That's stupid. Use your common sense. Weapons grade stupid. And I say it all the time. We don't have a crime problem in this country. We have a stupid problem. The cops are beyond capable of getting crime under control. Forget about it. But we've got stupid people in power that are trying to oversee every aspect of police work thousands of miles removed from the adrenaline and the adversity that police face in their everyday lives. Yeah, there are bad cops like the ones in Memphis. But the reason those cops got hired is because they couldn't hire anybody. They had a mass exodus of early retirements. And then we had this whole, well, it's 
Got to make sure the police department is inclusive and looks like the community it serves. And so what they did in Memphis is they went out and they lowered the hiring threshold just because, well, you know, we want the police force to look more like the community. Here's what you need. And I mean this. Okay, you don't need more white cops. You don't need more black cops. You don't need more Spanish cops. You don't need more Muslim cops. Don't need no female cops. Don't need more trans cops. Do you know what you need? Are you ready for it? You need more good cops. Bingo. That's all it is. You need more good cops. And because we're having a hard time recruiting them, because there's been a war on their funding and their training and everything in between, you are going to see the quality of police work take a step back in some major municipalities. Cops are reluctant to do their jobs. I mean, every time a cop you know, pulls somebody over for breaking the law, you, know, you got nine people turning on their cell phones being like, I'm going to ruin this guy's life. Hey, man, I get uh, a good citizen journalism effort when I, you know, uh, no, nobody has an issue with it. I really don't. Somebody works in media. But do you think it's making society more safe to slander the police at every turn and deny them the benefit of the doubt? The answer would be no. No, and it's borne out in the crime statistics. Defund the police, the end result of which was a 35% increase in the black murder rate. When we yell and scream about something like Tyree Nichols, horrific, shouldn't have happened. I agree. But we're interested in it, first and foremost, because there were a lot of people on the left alleging racism. Nobody could take them seriously. It was five black cops killing a black man. Horrific story. Guy deserves to be alive. Make no mistake about it. But no one is interested when it comes to like, oh, we got to you know protect the black community. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter is an effort to get rich by calling the cops a bunch of racists. That's what Black Lives Matter is. Please give us money. Let's just call the cops racist and we'll get some cash. They're not actually allocating funding to improve any community. We're not talking about scholarship funds. We're not talking about any type of help with public defense, victims, right? No, no, no. Black, it's not Black Lives. It's BLM stands for Buy Large Mansions. Correct the mundo. And I've got to tell you, in the cities that left behind, like New York, here's a new poll out today. It's a Quinnipiac poll. Our mayor, Eric Adams, he was elected because he was a NYPD official. He was a cop. He was a guy that was going to turn the city around. Eric Adams was coming in. We're going to have a cop in there. Wrong. Eric Adams wasn't a real cop. He was a house mouse. A house mouse is a police term for a cop who sits in the precinct, watches the ball game. And studies for tests so he can get promoted, be a sergeant, be a lieutenant, be a commander, whatever you got to be. That's what Eric Adams did. He wasn't out there doing regular police work, you know, hand-to-hand transactions, buying busts. He wasn't collaring guys, wasn't locking guys up. He was sitting in the precinct where it was warm, waiting for the Chinese food. He bang out a couple of pints of lo mein, put your feet up on the desk. Watch the first pitch of the Yankees game. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. But he wasn't actually out there in the trenches getting his hands dirty and still has no appreciation and understanding for what it would take to get crime under control. So this new poll finds that Eric Adams' approval rating is just 37%. Okay, 37%. It was a survey of 1,300 registered voters. Shows that crime... Remains the top issue in all five boroughs, with 59% of respondents in the Bronx saying it's their biggest worried, followed by 47% in Staten Island, 42% in Queens. Overall, two-thirds of voters in New York City, 66%, think crime is a very serious problem. 
40% of voters say they feel less safe in New York City compared to a year ago. By the way, you know what New York City was doing a year ago? It was breaking crime records in terms of the percentage increase from the previous year. Are the all-time numbers as bad as the 70s? And No, not even no, They're not there, thankfully, by the grace of God. But they're going up. Okay, 2021 was a surge on 2020, which was a bad crime year in the city. 2022 is a surge on 2021, which was a really bad crime year in the city. That can't be good. But this is not specific to New York. If you look at, like, Philadelphia, if you look at, like, Baltimore, look out in L.A., Gavin Newsom just turned the whole freaking state into an outdoor toilet. And you get the end result of which is a compromised quality of life. People are fleeing these states. Dude, they're the most expensive states to live in are the coastal liberal states. Highest tax, highest crime. So you're going to spend all the money in the world to live there. You're going to subsidize all these wild government entitlement programs. Okay, and you're probably going to get mugged on the way down to the tax office to drop off your check. It's not really a recipe for retaining a population. Okay, here's another thing adding to the crisis is on the migrant front, seven out of 10 New York voters think it's a crisis for New York City that more than 40,000 migrants seeking sanctuary have arrived in the city in the past year. Okay, think about that. 70% of voters think we have a migrant crisis now because migrants are coming to our sanctuary city. (laughs) Think about that. New York, we're a sanctuary city. No human is illegal in our town. You just come down to our town. We'll show you Donald Trump. Anyone wants to sneak into our country illegally, they've got a home in New York. You know, until they actually get to New York. Democrats are so full of crap. Are they ever? But this is where we are as a country right now. I bring up New York because it's very emblematic of the country as a whole. Okay, this is going on all over the place. And it's going on all over the place. We're just fighting the wrong battles. What politics became, this is really politics 2022 and now 2023. Okay, the two parties are in a perpetual fight for power while the bureaucrats run the country. Okay, that's what we have now. We don't have a functioning government of elected officials we send to Washington to do our bidding. We have a functioning body of pro wrestlers that get in front of the microphones on cable news every night and promise to beat up the other guy. I'll break you in half like a little toothpick. But behind the scenes, big pharma, big banks, all the big bureaucracies in D.C. are actually calling the shots. That's what's going on right now. And while we engage in this perpetual fight for power, the issues that matter aren't being targeted. And I can tell you this because I've told you this before. As a former New York City cab driver, from time to time, you'd see two cabbies get out to beat each other up at a red light. Somebody stole somebody's fare. Somebody cut somebody off. You'd see a guy jump out of his car, swing the door open, and you're like, well, this ought to be good. But as the guy got out, he was in such a rage to go beat the other guy. He forgot that he left his Crown Vic in drive. I've seen it probably a dozen times. It's, you're in such a fit of rage, such a blinding emotion, that the simplest thing in the world, like put the car in park, evades you. And now you go from jumping out, jumping out of your car, with your right arm cocked, ready to throw a punch. (laughs) 
to suddenly racing backwards to get your car as it careens down the road with nobody in it. And that really is such a metaphor for our politics in this day and age. Everybody jumps out of their car ready to fight the other guy. And down the road goes the big problem, okay, which in this instance is crime. Crime has gone up every single year of the Biden administration. It's been surging since the pandemic. And the fact that we have waged a rhetorical war on police, the fact that we've waged a monetary war on police, we cut over a half a billion dollars from the police budget here in New York. We cut close to a billion out in California, thanks to Gavin Newsom. It's driven out the good cops. It's made it necessary to hire a lot of potential bad cops. And it's emboldened anybody that would want to take advantage of either one, which is why if you're thinking about visiting New York City this summer with your family, you should probably reconsider something safer like Beirut. Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Going to be rapping with the great Ainsley Earhart the next break. She's fantastic, co-host of Fox and Friends. Always like chatting with her. And uh, she, like myself, is a resident of New York, which i got to be honest with you, is a mess right now. It is out of control, and I bring it up because one of the key issues facing New York is the relocation of migrants. The inability to secure the border has led to as many as 40,000 migrants being sent to New York this year. Now, we know we have an issue with housing them and everything in between, but we also have an issue with our representatives in government like Jerry Nadler saying securing the border is racist. This is bananas. Here it is, clip 21. They will tell us that the southern border is open, that President Biden and Secretary Mayorkas opened it deliberately, and that it is mostly migrants who are smuggling drugs across our southern border. Of course, none of those statements are true. Yes, significant numbers of individuals are arriving at our southern border, but the Biden administration actually expelled over 1.1 million people last year and recently expanded the use of Title 42, much to the concern of many of us here on the committee. 
Shut up! Will you shut up? And here he is calling it racist. Clip 19. The first hearing will showcase the racist tendencies of the extreme MAGA Republican wing of the party that seeks to close the border to refugees from places like Cuba and Venezuela. It almost makes me miss their usual obsession with conspiracy theories and the FBI. Don't you have any respect for yourself? No, he doesn't. Look at the guy. The hearing will showcase the racist tendencies of extreme MAGA wing of the party. Yo, they're trying to secure the border so we don't all die of fentanyl. That's not a white person thing. We don't have a monopoly on that. Okay, everyone, fentanyl doesn't get into your system and go, hey, what color are you, by the way? It just kills people, you idiot. That's the problem in this country right now is we're led by morons. Bottom line, it's a true story. Look it up. It's the morning show that, uh, overslept. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It's so poignant. You said your junior year, Megan's junior year, my junior year is when I became woke. Something about that age, 21, that's so significant. That turning point for most college students. My, one of the lies I believed was that my identity should be found in my gender, my sexuality, my race, all of these exterior things. But really, our identity is in God. And I just, I wanted to share that because I think that for anyone that might be young and listening, our identity is in God and in our faith. I believe it was Donald Trump who famously said, Everything woke turns to Joining us now on the show, though, someone who would never use such language. This is the bell of the cable news ball. You know how they say everybody loves Raymond. Well, if you work at Fox News, everybody loves Ainsley, the co-host of Fox and Friends, the host of Ainsley's Bible Study. She is here with us today. Hello, Ainsley Earhart. How are you? Hey, Jimmy. Thank you for having me on, and that's very sweet of you to say that. Thank you. Stop it. You're so good for morale. This is like, do you know when, like, back during, like, World War II or later on in in, in the U.S. military history, like Marilyn Monroe would go visit the troops to get them in a good mood? Like, right. you're kind of like the radio equivalent of, like, Marilyn shows up and waves to the troops, and now we're all <laughs> high five and ready to go. So, you're so sweet. I thank ge- you. I guess. Well, here, thank you for classing up the show, because I want to get into this. So the new episode, it's actually available today on, on Fox Nation. It's called Ainsley's Bible Study. And uh, it, of course, overlaps with the conversation we were just having about wokeness and about how people are— Define, being taught anyway at colleges to like define their identity through everything but what matters. Isn't it kind of crazy to you that we've taken this route and so many people have gone along for the ride? It really is. And, you know, I remember being in college and growing up in such a Christian household, no matter what my teachers taught us, I kind of knew I had to take certain classes. And this was back in the 90s when I went to college. Uh, so I, you know, I had some teachers where I thought I I didn't agree with them, but I just kept my mouth shut for fear. And I just didn't want to get get a bad grade or have retaliation. But I grew up in such a solid Christian home and I I knew what my foundation was. So, um, but we recently on this Bible study, we interviewed for Fox Nation, we interviewed three girls who, two of them had recently graduated from college and one is still in college. And they talked about their lives and how their lives were transformed in college for various reasons. Um, and it's pretty fascinating. And I could relate to these girls and I have such a heart for women and such a heart for college age students and even middle school students and high school students, because little girls get 
you know, you, yeah. your your worth is wrapped up in all the wrong things. And mm-hmm. if the cute boy thinks that you're cute or he dates someone else and no one likes you, no one, you know, you're never asked out on a date or just so many things that, that really shouldn't matter. And um, these, I could relate to all of these girls and their stories. Like one, Annabella Rockwell, she's darling. She went, she's now working for PragerU, but she grew up in a conservative Christian home. She went to Mount Holyoke College, and she's been very outspoken about this. She's written articles and been on Fox and Friends about it. Her professors made her believe that she was oppressed and she was a victim, and so she would go home and tell her mom, you know, you are oppressed, mom, and you grew up a long time ago. You, you know, you were sheltered. And she got she became really dependent on alcohol, and then her mom had to hire someone to to deep a deep programmer to coach her through it and tell her mom what to say to her. And eventually, um, Annabella became sober, and she returned to church, and she's very close with her mom. But she went a long time without talking to her mom, and now she works for PragerU, and she's very outspoken about it. But she talks about how these professors really did change her and influence her, and. Um, have a, had a lasting impression on her life, but they each have different stories. It's it's pretty fascinating. Yeah, I know it's 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 a great watch. It's Angelie's Bible Study. The new episode is available today. Like drop it like it's hot, girl. It is on Fox Nation <laughs> right now. The episode is titled "A Lesson from the Lord." And one of the points I make to people a lot when it comes to God's presence in our life, and this is what I think religion serves the greatest purpose to society, to the greater good, is if people could get back to a place of just living their lives with an end goal in mind, meaning you mm-hmm. want to be a positive asset to society because you want to go to heaven. Now, whether you're a religious person or not, if you could just live your life like you were going to go before some type of tribunal that was going to give you a grade and you could concern yourself with that grade, you'd have a lot more guidance in life than just being taught to seek grievance at every turn, because that's what this is. I mean, in these women you interviewed were basically being told to go find grievance in areas they didn't need it. Right. You're absolutely right. And I love what you said, because it is about a higher power and it's about serving him. And it teaches you when you when you have that foundation or you, you know, I didn't even really become close to Christ until I was 21 years old. It was my junior year of college. And Jimmy, I'd like done what every college student does, went out every night, you know, balanced my schoolwork and my and, and working in various different roles. But I also I was a leader on campus, but I also love to go out at night. And yeah. so. I would drink almost every night, and um, and I just got tired of it. My junior year, I was like, why am I doing this? This gets so old. I need to focus on my career. What was I created to do? And then half my sorority sisters were really strong Christians, and they had a Bible study, and I started going. And they were all older than me. The, the leaders in the group were older than me, and I looked up to them, and I said, you know, I want what they have. They are so full and so full, full of love and they're satisfied in their lives. They're not l- looking for this void that I'm looking for. And I'm I'm ready to get serious about life. I have to start thinking about my future. And one day I'll get married. And one day I'll have children. I need a job where I can pay for my family and make sure my daughter has a better life than I had. Even though I had a great life, you know, you always want more for your children. So it was my junior year. And all these girls that I interviewed in the Bible study, mm-hmm. their lives changed really their junior year too. But when you start to get serious, and, and I know a lot of college students, a lot of my friends have college college age kids, 
and they're finding the same. It's like something happens your junior year. I don't know if you can relate to that, Jimmy. Yeah. But where where you just have to get serious about your life and realize it's not about you. And when you have some sort of a religious component for me, it's Christ, Mm -hmm. then I'm not living for Ainsley. I'm living for him, and I want to please him. And as soon as I did that, I started finding a purpose, and he started blessing my life in ways that I could not imagine. And then I had to ask him and pray, God, what do you want me to do? You've always had me in theater. You've always had me on the stage. Can I do something in television? I transferred schools to the University of South Carolina because I had a good journalism school, and then God completely took a hold of my life, and I just followed him. I started dating a really strong Christian guy. Most of my friends were really strong Christian friends, and I learned so much about the Bible, and God just truly continued to bless me. And so I just realized if you give your life to him, he put me at Fox News. He put me on the national stage where I can wake people up and talk about the news, but also Fox allows me to talk about my faith, and I'm so fortunate. No, I, I, I a thousand percent agree. Ainsley Earhart is on the line. Uh, she had a much uh, more productive junior year than I did in college. Let me just say that uh, it, was, it, it took me a few more years post college for me, Ainsley. But it's the same thing, though. Okay, for me, it was when I had my son. Uh, I was a cab driver in New York City, and I realized that uh, so much of his well being was going to be predicated on, you know, how I raised him and the contributions I made to his life and the environment I created for him to grow up in. And it's when it comes to the big argument right now that's defining our culture war between pro-life and pro-choice, you know, a lot of times they sell the pro-choice argument to argument to women as empowerment. But the God's honest truth is there's nothing more empowering than living your life for another being, you know? And I feel like they've they've gotten it completely backwards because there's no greater privilege nor or is there no greater like compass in life than knowing your decisions affect other people? That's so true. And every, you can't have a baby without your life changing dramatically in a positive way. I mean, for me, it was the greatest day of my life other than the day I asked Christ to come into my heart. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, uh, it was yeah. wonderful. She was born on a Friday and I held her and I just remember thinking, this is the greatest gift that anyone could give me. And it does change how you think about life, how you look at life, Mm -hmm. how you treat other people. I mean, we've all known people that maybe aren't the nicest and then they become mothers or fathers and it changes them for the better. And it was such a beautiful gift. But up until I was 39 years old when I got pregnant with her, Mm -hmm. because I wanted to make sure I was a financially stable Mm -hmm. in New York City and working as a journalist, you know, you don't make a lot of money in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so it takes you a long time to get where you need um, Mm -hmm. money to survive and to afford schools in the city and that kind of thing in an apartment in the city. But also, I wasn't really sure if I – I didn't ever have that desire, that burning desire to be a mom until I was about 33 or 34 years old, probably 34 or 35. And then once I had that desire, I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to be a mom. And then I wanted it so badly, and I got married and um, had difficulty getting pregnant. I had a miscarriage, and I'd walk around the city, and I would look at moms that were pregnant or moms that were pushing their stroller. And I, I wasn't ever jealous. I just thought, God, please give me that. And I knew he would one day. Mm-hmm. It was just going to be in his timing. But um, the day she was born, it was it was so just it was such a miracle and so amazing. And you're right. It changes your life. So did it, did you get closer to God after that? Or you just realized you have greater responsibilities and it wasn't about you? Well, I was, I was raised in a pretty religious house to begin with. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely think there's something so humbling about that moment where you're holding a newborn baby and you know it has to come from something else. You know, it right. really does in a weird way. I don't know mm-hmm. if it made me closer. I think, if anything, it just made me, like, firmer in my belief, I guess is a better way to articulate it. Because you realize, like, when you're holding that innocent life in your hands, it's like you've taken a brand-new iPad out of the packing peanuts. It's never downloaded a file. It's never seen anything. You're, you're turning it on <laughs> right. for the first time, and you're responsible mm-hmm. for every website and every file it downloads. And it's it really is. It's awe-inspiring stuff. And I just, man. Man, it's so hard to articulate this to people, but the whole pro-life argument, it's sold the wrong way because they're selling the other side as the empowering side of this argument. And the truth is there is nothing more empowering than going, oh, my gosh, this thing in my hand is a gift from God, and I'm going to fight to protect it and raise it well with all the fiber in my being. And that's exactly what I did for like two years. Then I was like, Jenny, you got to, you know, you got to take over. I'm a mess. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> How many children do you have, Jimmy? Uh, just the one. We saw the first report card, Ainsley, and we were like, you know what? <laughs> Should probably get a dog or something. This ain't working out. <laughs> no, nah, my he's got he, my kid. Actually, is good grades in the honor society. You can't make that joke about your kid unless he is smart. You know, if he right. was, <laughs> I'd have a real That's problem. That's true. You're absolutely yeah. You would not be a good parent if you made that joke. No, it were true. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, that's so great. How did you go from being a cab driver to? Um, being on air. Well, it's so wild. So I was doing stand-up and driving a cab, and one of the Fox bookers saw me at, at the Gotham Comedy Club downtown and just asked me to come do a hit on Kennedy's show. And then what started out as like a drinking story, like, tell him about the time you were on television, kind of spiraled into getting booked on other shows and then appearing on the radio, and then they gave me a radio show. And now I know Ainsley Earhart. I mean, now it's just crazy. Like, this is, you know— you you're so sweet, but you are so good. Oh, we love yeah. having you on Fox and Friends. And oh, it's fun. I've been watching you on Sean Hannity's show, and he thinks the world of you. Oh, Everyone man. does at Fox. I'm oh, really proud man. of you. A- Ainsley, what I your will, wi- What does your wife say? Oh, she thinks – Jenny thinks this is all hilarious. Like, we just go yeah. home at night and just laugh that all of this is going on. <laughs> but it's like any success I'm experiencing is like it's such a testament to the people here at Fox being so regular that there's a market for a regular guy to walk in and be a part of this thing like that's our appeal is like we're the real people you can go to other tv channels i promise you they're not all doing each other's tv shows and hanging out on the weekend and getting to know each other's families but that's very much what we've built like fox news it really is like a community wouldn't you say definitely in fact i was at the gym today and a lady stopped me and she said uh, she's in there all the time and i see her and we always say hey but i didn't know that she knew i worked at fox and she stopped me today she said well, I just want to let you know I, I'm a new viewer and I've been watching you and I just, you know, I love Fox. Y'all just seem like you really get along and you hang out outside of work. And I was like, we really do. I said, <laughs> we've all been working there together. We've watched each other grow. Many of us started in our 20s there. And I said, now I'm 46 years old. And I said, I've watched all of us get married and have our babies. And we're so happy for one another. We fill in for one another. And I said, we really are. We are a family. And I said, we kind of stick. She goes, I bet y'all stick together because in New York, most people are liberal and and y'all probably all hang out together because, you know, there's no one else to hang out with. (laughs) I just thought that was funny. I said, you know, I am pretty careful when I go out in New York City restaurants. I choose restaurants where I know I'm not going to get heckled or anything like that. But I said, you know, when I go down south, it's just 
it's so fun. People yep. come over to your table at a restaurant and talk to you and pull up a seat, and yep. they're like our family, and they're our customers. We're so grateful for anyone that watches because no, it's amazing. You know, that helps us. No, it is. It's amazing, and it's the one thing I love so much is like when we're on the road as Fox personalities, you know, the people who you meet, they know you. Like you feel like you right. know them. It's not like it doesn't feel like you're meeting someone so much as you're like picking up where you left off. You know? Yeah. It's, doesn't it make you like? So grateful. Yeah. I'm just like, really? I, I think some uh, bosses chose me. Yeah. God put me in this position. Oh. There's so many other people that are more qualified. Why? Angel, Why me? But thank you. Uh, no, for sure. I'm the, I'm the same way. I, I literally say thank you to people when it's not part of the conversation. They're like, hey, how are you? And I'm like, well, thank you. Thank you. That's good. Yeah. No. You know, I always, I always describe myself. Uh, as a dog with a job. You know how you go to the airport and the dog's wagging its tail because he can't believe they're counting on him to save the plane, the guy that's sniffing the bags? That's kind of me. Like, I just, I can't believe they're counting on me from time to time to save the plane. (laughs) So it's all good, Aisley. As long as nobody throws a tennis ball, I'll stay on the set with you. We'll have a good time. That before yep. that was cute that's us you have to tell people because we all talked about how fascinating it was when we had you on uh, a few weeks ago or i think it was like a week ago and i said how do you come up with these jokes because i <laughs> you know i can find myself being funny occasionally but yeah. not like you you come up with these jokes that i'll think of things like a day later and say oh why didn't i say that <laughs> well i do that too just to be clear but there's a different process like i'm trapped inside a fun house like you still have a semi-serious person inside of you and that allows uh-huh. you to be the great ainsley Earhart. i'm just you know a lunatic that's managed to package the madness well enough to fit in here um but i'll give I mean, them that's so great though yeah. because mm-hmm. i always tell my daughter i don't want you to lose your spirit one day she's going to lose her spirit but it sounds like if you're a comedian you really don't i mean if you're still living in a fun house that just sounds amazing well that's that's the difference between deciding to stop drinking so much in your junior year and continuing on like i did (laughs) and there you have it ainsley you're the coolest uh thank you for this thank you you are too jimmy i love you and i'll say prayers for you as soon as we get off the radio but i'm just so proud of you and um you're the best and look forward to continuing to working with you back at you I'll see you in so the... happy for your success. Oh, Ainsley, you're the best. You're the wind beneath my wings. I'm going to sing Bette Midler. I'm back after this. The show that leaves you without hope or change. I'm telling you, man, this stuff will poison your mind. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Rocking out on a Thursday. Got some big TV coming up tonight. I will be with Dagan McDowell and Sean Duffy in the 6 p.m. hour Eastern time on the bottom line of the Fox Business Network. Then at 9 o'clock, I'm on with Sean Hannity on the Sean Hannity Show. Tomorrow, you'll see me on Outnumbered. The ladies of Outnumbered, Harris Faulkner and Emily Campagno and Kaylee McEnany. And tomorrow night, I am off to the Carson Nugget in Carson, Nevada. Be hanging out with our Reno listeners at KKFT. Certainly our Northeast California listeners at KSUE. All are welcome. There's still a handful of seats remaining for the 10 p.m. show. The first two sold out. 10 p.m. has a couple of seats left. You can get them at ccnugget.com. You can come hang out with your radio buddy, tell a couple of jokes, play a few hands of blackjack. Then we can go down to the blood bank and sell a couple of pints, get our money back. It's going to be great. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you bet it is. We are fired up. We got a big hour coming up. 
North Carolina Representative Greg Murphy, who is a guy who happens to have a medical background in Washington. Remember the science? Well, Murphy was the guy who introduced a resolution to end the COVID emergency back in December, which, of course, led to the House voting to end the COVID emergency earlier in January, at which point Joe Biden just went out and declared an end to the COVID emergency on May the 11th and claimed it was his idea the whole frickin' time. You're alive! We're going to get into that and the implications thereof, but we're going to have a larger conversation about the 2024 election as well because we got a little more going on uh, in the Republican Party. Things are getting a little chippy right now between Trump, DeSantis, Nikki Haley, the Senate, the Washington leadership that Trump is not a very big fan of. We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. I don't think anybody could argue that point, uh, but you could attempt to. We wouldn't rebuff your attempts. All are welcome here at 888-788-9910. So we get underway here in hour number three on the fastest growing radio show in America. That's pretty crazy. But yeah, you guys have uh, really created quite a movement And I'm just kind of crowd surfing off of your madness. But thank you. I mean, you guys, I was joking with Ainsley Earhart earlier saying she's the wind beneath my wings. I don't actually sing Bette Midler, uh, no matter how tanked I get at karaoke. But uh, if anybody is the wind beneath the wings of this show, it is you. So thank you for being a part of it. We're going to be announcing more tour dates where I'm going to be out on the road hanging out with you guys uh, in the very, very near future. Some of them have already been done and gone to contracts and travel arrangements and everything else. Uh, But we coordinate with the local radio stations before we can announce them because, you know, they have ticket plans and promotions and stuff. A lot of fancy pants stuff going on. A lot of big words getting written down on papers. Uh, Words I have to Google (laughs) before signing what's underneath them. You know, as you know, I wasn't exactly the valedictorian in life. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, sir. I disagree. It has served me well. Okay, but right now, as I attempt to make sense of this, it's like a it's weird it's a weird thing to articulate, but basically what's happening is we got this twenty twenty four election that's starting ever so slightly to take shape. Okay, you got Biden telling everyone behind closed doors that he's gonna make another shot at the Oval Office. Biden sucks. Everybody feels that way, but it doesn't mean he's not gonna get out there and give it another go because when you are the president of the United States It's really hard to let go of all of that power, all the trappings of the office. In fact, dating back to 1968 was the last time someone voluntarily decided not to run for a second term, that being Lyndon Baines Johnson. Okay, so Biden has told people behind closed doors that he's going to run again. This despite the fact that everybody watches Biden publicly and says to themselves, This man needs a retirement home and a warm bowl of soup. As of now, uh, he has no intent to go after that warm bowl of soup. But as this classified document scandal intensifies, we now have Hunter Biden's lawyers have issued a statement. This is so phenomenal. So phenomenal. I opened the show today explaining that Hunter Biden's lawyers have filed a cease and desist against Fox News, the New York Post, and, of course, the laptop computer repairman who handed over the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop. Okay, and they said that this repairman has no right to be disseminating Hunter Biden's personal information. 
They also said, hey, Fox, you can't be disseminating my personal information. Hey, New York Post, stop disseminating my personal information. Now, the reason that was significant is because if Hunter Biden is saying, stop disseminating my personal information, that means he's telling you that the information on this laptop is real. Ah, you have a good eye, my man. Okay, and understand what they've since done since last night when they issued that motion is they've issued a new statement saying, hey, just because we said stop disseminating our personal information doesn't mean that it's our personal information. That's actually what was just said with a straight face. Okay, hey, just because we filed a suit saying stop disseminating our personal information doesn't mean that's our actual personal information. I mean, well, that's the dumbest thing I've heard of. <laughs> I'm with Red Fox. Well, that's the dumbest thing I've heard of. Seriously. Okay, but that's the latest motion. Get out of here and take your mother with you. Seriously. Okay, Biden, get out of here, take your mother with you, is what I believe Mr. Fox just said. Uh, Biden's finished. He can't run, okay? He can attempt to run, but he can't run and win. If the Republicans nominate anyone under the age of 100, they're going to beat Joe Biden. We're sitting here at a time when 70% of the country thinks we're headed in the wrong direction. If you get into an Uber, if 10 of us get into a big Uber XL, and 7 of the 10 think the driver's going the wrong way on the highway, Okay, even if we make it to our destination alive, guess what we're not doing ever again? Hiring that driver. And that's Joe Biden. And now when you get the lies compounded by the fact that his kid very well may have had access to some of these personal documents that are also becoming their own enveloping scandal, you realize it's time to start paying attention to the 2024 Republican battle because whoever wins the nomination is probably going to be president. I would say they have like a 99% chance of being president because I don't know how you go out to the public and sell them on four more years of Democratic leadership after the run we're on right now. Like imagine trying to sell somebody on taking a cruise after they just watched Titanic. Seriously. No, no, you don't understand. That's a... Yeah, yeah, lifeboats, schmifeboats. We had some good dinners those first two nights, though, didn't we? I mean, have you, did you see the thread counts on those sheets? I mean, those are some nice sheets. I, I know you were doing the dog paddle by the end trying to get onto a raft, but I'm just, you know, the point is, on the whole, it was a pretty good cruise. Do you guys want to sign up again, take another cruise? What do you say? The answer would be no. Okay, that's where we are right now with the Democratic Party. Their leadership has compromised the quality of just pretty much everything in this country right now. It's going to be really hard to sell anybody on the Democrats. So for that reason, the 2024 race, I'm starting to cover. I mean, nobody else is even in it yet. Trump's running. Nikki Haley says he's she's going to run. Uh, get her out. Get her out of here. Maybe so. Okay, and then, of course, you've got Ron DeSantis. And Trump is taking all kinds of shots at Ron DeSantis. Pretty funny. He's starting to take shots at Nikki Haley. It's, it's really... What a time to be alive. <laughs> it's really getting chippy. It's really getting sloppy out here. Okay, so let me give you a little more on Trump DeSantis. Okay, Trump spoke, if you remember last week, about DeSantis running against him. Um, this was Saturday. It's not great audio. He was on a plane on his way to his first rally. Here was Trump talking about DeSantis, clip 32. What do you well, Nikki Haley made the statement that she would never run against our president. I believe Mike did too. But my attitude is, you know, if they want to do that, 
they should do it. I had a good relationship with all of them. Nikki Haley called me the other day to talk to me. I talked to her for a little while. But I said, look, you know, go by your heart if you want to run. She's publicly stated I would never run against my president, he was a great president. I never run. Did she call you to tell you that she was going to be? Running? No, but she called me. She said uh, she she'd like to consider it. And she was letting you know. And I said you should do it. Wow. So that's Trump saying he spoke to Nikki Haley, told her she should in fact run. I don't know that he gave the same advice to DeSantis. He spoke about DeSantis uh, on this very same flight, and uh, worth you know worth getting into as well. Uh, well, here is DeSantis. Pretty funny. So this is back in December, okay, talking about DeSantis, clip 31. How would you handle running against people in your cabinet like Pompeo, Nikki Haley, Mike Pence? Well, many of them have said they would never run if I run, so we'll see whether or not that turns out to be true. I think it would be very disloyal if they did, but that's okay too. So saying it'd be disloyal, but if they got to do it, they got to do it. I mean, listen, Trump, the one thing about Trump is you got to understand this, man. He'll fight anybody. Trump is not ducking anybody, okay? He will fight anybody. This guy took on the entirety of the media, all of Hollywood, all the late-night shows, the entire D.C. establishment, including the Republican D.C. establishment who wanted no part of him being president in 2016. He took him on, and he won. So you can't underestimate his fighting spirit, okay, as He's starting to, you know, get back into fight and shape and lob grenades on Truth Social, though. There's also some pushback coming from the Republican Party. Okay, this is very interesting stuff. But The Hill was interviewing some top Republicans. And here's Texas Republican Senator John Cornyn telling The Hill about DeSantis. He ran an impressive reelection campaign for governor from an important state. It looks to me like he's polling well. I think we need some new blood. And I think DeSantis would qualify. You ought to be ashamed of Secretary. yourself. So that's Cornyn saying the party needs new blood. Here's Cynthia Loomis from Wyoming, who was as ardent of a Trump supporter as there was, telling The Hill, I expect to see a number of Republican candidates for president, and a number of them had President Trump's endorsement in the past. So I don't see it as an act of disloyalty to run for president. Even people on the president's cabinet may get into this race. Loomis went on to say, so it's not a matter of disloyalty. The person who best articulates a future agenda for the country will emerge from the Republican primary. And it's not a foregone conclusion who that will be. So you understand that's Cynthia Loomis, Marco Rubio, little Marco. Told the Hill anyone can run. And Senator Mike Rounds from South Dakota said Trump having primary competition is healthy. So there's something new going on in the Republican Party. And I'm not here to tell you Trump won't be the nominee. My gut is he's going to have a really hard time winning it. But I think any Republican that wins the nomination is going to be exponentially better than Biden. But, you know, you can never count out Trump because of how many things he took on in 2016 and won. And everybody was wrong because nobody thought he was going to win. Nobody thought he was going to win when he first got into the race. You might have wanted him to win. You might have rooted for him to win. But nobody thought he was going to win. And as we sit here right now, people who know politics, people that are in touch with mega donors, people who are in touch with party elites – don't believe he's going to win again. That doesn't mean he can't. Okay, did it once. Maybe he could do it again. Could be wrong. Okay, I personally think it's going to be a hard battle because while, yes, he could win the nomination, he has immense support within the party. I think the rest of the country hates him so much, and you need a good percentage of them to turn and vote for Donald Trump. I don't know that people can put their personal animus 
aside. You know, you don't want to go into when's the last time you did anything for somebody you hated? You hated them, but you're voting for them anyway. I don't I can't think of an instance where you did. I can't think of an instance where I did, let alone said I'm going to try to make this guy president, even though I hate him with all the fiber of my being. I think it's a big ask. I'm not saying he won't get there. And of course, if they nominate Joe Biden, anybody's I mean, Baron Trump would be a better president than Joe Biden. Tell him like it is. Okay, so where it goes is going to be interesting. But there is a sea change taking shape in the Republican Party in that people are willing to openly acknowledge support of other candidates. They're willing to openly acknowledge the idea of people running and winning besides Trump. That didn't exist six months ago. Didn't exist a year ago. Certainly didn't exist at any point while he was in office. If anyone defied Trump on anything, they were called a rhino dirtbag loser. I mean, how dare you? You vote with a guy a thousand times in a row. If on the thousand and first vote, you don't vote with him. Get him out of here. Get him out. Very transactional. Okay, so you are going to see things that Trump might perceive as being disloyal. But the reason people are starting to be disloyal uh, is not because, you know, that's who they are. I mean, this is politics. They all want this gig. And with a guy in the Oval Office as bad as Joe Biden, everybody feels like they have a very realistic shot of getting it. I mean, if you can't be the guy to run against Biden, you know what I'm saying? Like, imagine this, okay? If you're like me, okay, if you're on the Jimmy Fallon diet, you're the furthest thing from a Mr. Universe. You're killing yourself the way you eat. Y'all fat f- look at you. Okay, seriously. But if you knew the Mr. Universe pageant this year was going to come down to whoever went up against Michael Moore, you might be more inclined to enter the Mr. Universe pageant. You see what I'm saying? That's true. That is true. It's what you do. Okay, you never walked around thinking you could be Mr. Universe, but do you know how many people are emboldened to believe they could be the president of the United States right now because of just how bad the president of the United States happens to be right now? And this is the fact everybody needs to remember. People aren't dying to square off against Trump because of Trump. They're dying to square off against Trump because if they can somehow get by, they get to go up against Joe Biden. Do you understand? Biden's lost his marbles. He absolutely is. So everybody wants to go be Mr. Universe, and they're hiring personal trainers as we speak. Put that cookie down now. The critics have spoken. It's a mess. It's a mess. This is Fox Across America. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We're fired up. We're going to be talking to te- uh, North Carolina Congressman Greg Murphy in the next break. Right now, his opening act is Chris down in Tyler, Texas. Yo, Chris. Jimmy, how are you? My man. I'm all right. I'm I got to tell you, that's some, some kicky music there. It kind of sounds like uh, somebody's hooked on crack there, <laughs> abusing a bunch of ducks. <laughs> is that your way of transitioning into the Hunter Biden laptop? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot all about that. Holy moly. Yeah. Um, hey, let me let me let me flush here real quick. No. Um, so abandoned property. You, know, you can ask your cop brother because he'll tell you the same thing. Yep. That repairman made every effort he could to get that laptop back to Hunter. Hunter 
abandon it. Yep. That's just, it's, it's fair game. Once he did that, mm-hmm. same as, and ask your brother, yep. people, you know, you're watching a house, you know, that bad things are going on in there. You wait for them to throw their trash out. You go through that trash cause it's abandoned mm-hmm. and you find your evidence in there. Yep. That's exactly what this is. Yep. And his lawyers have no defense. No, they're trying to change their tune. So last night they said you have no right to disseminate our personal information. Now today they're legitimately saying just because we said it was our personal information doesn't mean we mean <laughs> that it was our personal information. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Is anyone listening to themselves at this point? Yeah, it's like, uh, but if it is our personal information <laughs> and we're not saying it is, you have no right to disseminate it if it is our personal information, but we're not saying it is. Dude, it's gotten so dumb, like my head hurts. <laughs> like, I love this job, but the things I'm talking about are so stupid, my head hurts. It's it's it's, it's never-ending ache now. Like, I just read the news, and I'm like, wait, really? Like, this is a thing? A lawyer was paid to come up with that? Man, yep. I'm telling you. Yeah. Well, it's- Listen, this is what if, gives you job security, bud. If you get your well, if you get bored with your career, apparently anyone can be running legal defense in the White House. So send in an application, okay? Yeah, yeah, I, I could probably. I, I don't know. I'd probably score better than Biden did at law school. <laughs> Dude, I don't. I don't even know if he went after that last clip. Oh, it's. I might play it again in your honor. Good stuff, Chris. We'll do it soon. Gail is in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Yo, Gail. Hey, Jimmy. How are you? I'm just laughing. Uh, you saw the lawyers now say it's not his laptop? It is. It isn't. It may be. It's not. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I have to have new pages every day to tell me what's going on. <laughs> you know, it's like the script of a daytime soap opera. I'm, it's, you know, you, yeah, go ahead. It's, it's amazing mm-hmm. the chutzpah to put that out over your name for Hunter Biden to say that he's the victim in this is <laughs> just know, amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, you know, I, really. I wanted to tell you, yeah. you're the only New Yorker, one of two New Yorkers, that it doesn't offend me when you wear cowboy boots. Oh, we're going to break on that, Gail. Stop talking right now. That's epic. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We are, of course, broadcasting live from the greatest country in the world. They always say America is the Michael Jordan of countries. We're certainly going through that weird phase right now where Michael Jordan's playing minor league baseball. Uh, But joining us now is a man who could very well get him back into championship form. He is, of course, a superstar representative from the great state of North Carolina. Representative Greg Murphy is here. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, Jimmy, how are you? Hopefully you uh, saw the Republican domination on the congressional baseball game last year. We uh, we had an outstanding 10-0. We, uh, we nipped them in the bud last year. We blanked them. Yeah, no, you uh, did. Last year. You showed up. excellent. I, I, I may or may not have made up. money betting on this game with some other staffers. <laughs> Can't really speak to excellent. them. Excellent. Keep, keep, uh, keep betting in our favor. I feel very, very good about our odds. Well, I got to tell you something. Uh, it's a lot easier to get out there and play ball uh, if we are, in fact, going to end this COVID emergency. Uh, are you taking credit for single-handedly ending this since you were the first guy to say, hey, enough already? And Biden is ultimately just trying to get in front of the House resolution, is he not? I, I, don't, I, I don't know if I can take credit for it, Jimmy, to be honest, but I sure was one of the ones uh, for surely calling for it. It's been an absolute abject um, political movement just to consolidate power, to be able to do things that he would not 
otherwise be able to do constitutionally. Mm -hmm. And he said he may withdraw it in May. Well, we don't know what that means. It means he'll pull it on into the future. But, you know, we we, uh, have a House resolution to end it. It should be ended. Um, We need to – there are 18 million people today. Now, I want our listeners to underhear this. 18 million people in the country today who are on Medicaid who do not qualify for the benefits. Why? Because as long as the public health emergency is going on, no state is allowed to audit its Medicaid rolls. So we talk about a worker shortage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are 18 million people who are getting health care and other benefits who do not qualify. I'm not saying don't deserve, Mm -hmm. but there's a thing about qualifying. Do not qualify uh, for those benefits. And so uh, thanks, Joe. You're not (laughs) only uh, killing um, Social Security, you're actually killing the people that uh, actually feed into Social Security by not uh, bringing them back to the workforce. Yeah, I don't think people realize what they're framing as compassion is actually the opposite. Like if you run a small business right now, it is people have had just a bear of a time hiring, you know, because in a lot of instances, like you said, they're getting benefits without actually doing the work, which, you know, makes it really hard. And uh, I don't it's it's weird because I know they've exploited this pandemic. It's been a pandemic of the bureaucracy for quite some time now. But I'm fascinated to see how they continue to sell this because the country as a whole has moved on from COVID. It's not to say it wasn't a real thing. It's just to say people have gone back to living their lives. So I don't know how they keep getting away with it. That's the point. Well, Jimmy, you know that I had our office uh, check the statistic yesterday. The OPM stated that still, still today on February 3rd, no, 2nd, um, one third of federal workers are not back at work in person. Now, you wonder why your IRS things are not uh, adjudicated, mm-hmm. why you have a hard time getting your passport running through, why we have anything going on with any of the other agencies. One third of federal workers are not back at work. That's just criminal. I'm sorry. America is back at work, and there's no damn reason that our federal government should not be back at work. It is an absolute um, a power pull, yeah. and they're pulling the fleecing of the the uh, the entire thing over the American public. And um, you look at this; it's just uh, maddening. I was at the prayer breakfast this morning, mm-hmm. and what was Biden talk talking about? Of course, he was talking about unity and holding hands and everything. Yeah, but he's been been the most divisive president in this nation's history. Yeah, I don't think there's anybody to even compare him to. We're talking to North Carolina Representative Greg Murphy. It's so funny to me that the Democrats, you know, your neighbors down there in Georgia. We're called Jim Crow on steroids by Joe Biden because they wanted voter ID, which, oh, by the way, the law resulted in the highest voter turnout in the history of the state of Georgia. But let's not let the right. facts get in the way of a good you know, story. But now they want to have a potential political convention down in the state they just said was Jim Crow. Is anyone even listening to themselves anymore? Yeah, it, it's the, this has been the administration and the movement of hypocrisy. I was listening to. Uh, the prologue on your on your program and and uh, john f kennedy was saying that very very famous phrase not what you can do for your country but what your country i'm excuse me yeah, yeah. not what your country can do for you but you can do for your country yeah. they would be laughing at that now yeah that, uh, uh martin luther king would be turning over in his grave because he said he wanted his children to be engaged on the merit of their work yeah. and their character, their heart, not the color of their skin. Oh, but the, it's absolutely up is down, down is up, right is left, left is right. Oh, it's so true. Like if you think of it, like JFK with that line, Martin Luther King with that line, 
in the modern media, they would be portrayed as right-wing strongmen for talking yeah. about a message of self-reliance or a message of meritocracy. And it's crazy Absolutely. to me that they've abandoned that because you've got to know on some level, you know, that if you are eliminating merit from the hiring process, you have to know that it's going to compromise the quality of work. Like, don't don't they Absolutely. have to know that? Or is the concern that they want the votes that comes from identity politics, even if it's at the expense of the quality of life in the country? Well, Jimmy, you know, it's interesting because I'm a physician. I've been one yeah. for 30 plus years. I, uh, it's in my DNA. I'm going to be seeing patients tomorrow. Um, our medical schools, our medical schools, institutions of science, of objectivity are now following this whole woke agenda. Yep. So we can no longer understand the premise that our physicians, and if you look at the top, all those big schools that dropped out of the U.S. News and World Report rankings because they don't want um, their uh, their integrity hurt because they're going to drop in the rankings because they're going to drop in the quality of students. They're now putting the DEI stuff ahead of the ability of the students to do the hard work of medical school. And uh, no longer will we be able to count on the age-old adage that the medical school wants our brightest and, uh, uh, and hardest working. Now it's going to be, do you fit social justice narratives? It's very, very disappointing. And personally, I mean, I take it personal. This is the field I've devoted my life to. Yeah, and and, and, and earned your way to where you are. And I'm just, I'm just telling you, like people listening, I hope they're giving this a lot of thought. You don't want anyone who's doing the job because they check a box. You know, you really want somebody there who's proficient. And, uh, you know, I feel like we're going to get it as a society. I just hope it doesn't take something catastrophic in order for us to get it. Um, let me throw one more thing at you, though, on all of this, you know, because we've been talking about all of this crazy, you know, it's almost like, I guess, anti-science. I don't know what you'd call it, you know, but when you when you talk about them abandoning, you know, basic biological tenants in the way that they have – like, as a physician, at what point does that compromise the quality of surgery if we're just not following the knowns of biology? Uh, it, it, you know, I don't know about surgery yeah. per se, but the fact that we have a Supreme Court justice mm -hmm. who doesn't know the definition of a woman. Mm -hmm. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, I just uh, that, that if somebody if you had told somebody 10 years ago, a mainstream Democrat and said the same thing, what's the definition of a woman? That in ten years your party won't be able to define that. Yep. They would be incredulous. They wouldn't. They wouldn't. They couldn't understand. Yeah. Now, how it changes surgery, mm -hmm. I don't know. But it's going to change mainstream medicine, mm -hmm. where students are going to be basically plagiarizing their applications so they put down social justice. They're a social justice warrior, so they get into medical school because you know what? Mm -hmm. It's the it's, we want the brightest in medical school. Yep. And if it's that one little ticket you have to push. Mm -hmm. And so be it. Yep. It's really it's going to affect the quality of medicine long term. No. Look, I want opportunity for everybody. Mm -hmm. I want opportunity for everybody in this country, regardless of race, skin, mm -hmm. color, whatever. Mm -hmm. But there's also a point where merit is is important. And getting into medical school, I'm sorry, is one of those instances. No, it's a great point. We're talking to North Carolina Representative Greg Murphy. Um, I say it all the time. It's going to affect my tax returns, too, because I get audited as a Fox News TV guy all the time. I think next no, year. I I'm, imagine. Yeah. Next year, I'm going to list that I am a drag queen for kindergarten kids.
<laughs> don't say that. Don't <laughs> no, say that. God forbid. This guy's a hero. They'll probably send me a refund. Thanks for your service. That's what'll happen. Oh, uh, listen, man. You know, I always appreciate your time. You're making a lot of sense. I know you got you, you work cut out for you. Did I read correctly that the uh, the House Administration Committee, of which you were a member, they are allowing people back into the People's House again? The People's House is open. Wow. The people's house is open again. That's what it's supposed to be. Imagine that. Um, but don't, know, don't ex- it, it, yeah, go ahead. It, it, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say the people's house is open, but half of the workers are still working remotely. Oh, that's pretty funny. That's pretty <laughs> funny. But I mean, all the folks in the Capitol, Capitol Police do an excellent job. Good. Um, they're good, good people. We, I have many friends amongst them. Um, but it's just, it's just, and this is not a bash on our federal workers. It's yep. a bash on their bosses and the yeah. administration. Of course, um, that uh, they're keeping people away from doing jobs which are good jobs. Yep. So, no question, I mean, it's not good. No, they they've exploited this. I mean, that's what proxy voting was. I mean, they they basically people wanted to go drink in the Caribbean and they could take a vote from the swim up bar. And uh, I'm glad we're making people go back to work, I guess, is what I'm trying to say in a roundabout way. So keep fighting a good fight. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, my man. Great. Take care, buddy. You're the best. Representative Greg Murphy from the 3rd Congressional District of North Carolina. I mean, you think about that. If you're a physician and uh, you worked your your butt off to be a physician, to see, you know, go to med school, okay, to pass tests, to study, and now you're just flat out seeing people get, you know, accepted to schools with no qualifications because, well, we don't have one of those. So we need to make one of those a doctor. Do you know, I mean, that's... This is Looney Tunes. Looney Tunes. That's all, folks. I mean, when you think about that, you're a physician, you've busted your ass to get to where you are, and now we're just handing people that accomplishment just because? you got to lose your mind. If you're a physician and you've studied the basic tenets of biology... And the biological differences between men and women. And now you're being told that there aren't any. When even Mr. Rogers could tell you that there are. Only girls can be the mommies. Only boys can be the daddies. Yes, sir. I mean, could you imagine he sang that today? The Democrats would be like, Harry, that's it. We're suing. We're going to sue. Seriously. Bananas. That's what's going on. And these are like, you know, serious people. But they'll describe Greg Murphy's take on, you know, the new school acceptance policy, the new, you know, biological belief that there's no differences between the men and the women, all that nonsense. They'll describe that as like hateful, as like transphobic. Or he wants to lead to a spike in hate crimes. It's really what it's become now is political debate is now the lemon drop. I'll explain the lemon drop for you really quickly, okay? This is something you learn as a New York City cab driver back in the day. There's a lot of street hustles where grifters, flim-flam guys looking to make quick money will prey on tourists with low-level extortionary tactics. What the lemon drop is, this guy's walking down the street. He's got a broken pair of glasses in his hands. They are already broken. He looks for a tourist, somebody who's either staring up in the air at big buildings or walking around in an I Love New York T-shirt. That's why you're not supposed to buy I Love New York T-shirts. That's how we figure out who to mug. But as you're walking around in your I Love New York T-shirt, looking up at the big buildings, taking pictures with your family, okay, the grifter slams into you like you didn't see each other, drops the broken glasses on the floor. Mind you, they're already broken. 
He's like, you got to watch where you're going, man. You broke my glasses. And you're like, what do you mean? Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. You owe me money for my glasses. And the guy's like, wait, what do you mean? You give me that money. And he's like, wait, I, don't, I didn't even know you. I didn't even see you. I didn't give you glasses. And the guy just starts yelling, officer, 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 this guy broke my glasses. And what does the tourist do? He goes, ah, oh, sheesh. All right, fine. Yeah, no. Oh, here, here. Here's 20 bucks. Here you go. Pay up, suckers. That's what they do. And the guy with the broken pair of glasses keeps on walking down the street, gets four or five blocks down the road, finds another guy, bumps into him with a set of broken glasses. Oh, you broke my glasses. You better give me that money. And the, the other guy just doesn't want a problem. It's not that he thinks he broke his glasses. It's not that he thinks the guy's entitled to the money. It's that he doesn't, doesn't want the commotion of someone screaming at him and his family, someone bringing in a cop and screaming at him and his family. He's got some unhinged lunatic basically extorting him out of $20. That's what a lot of trans ideology is. They show up and they tell you with a straight face, oh, there's no biological difference between a man and a woman. And you're like, that's crazy. And they're like, officer, officer. This guy's going to lead to a spike in suicides amongst the trans community. He's a transphobe. He wants to kill people. You're like, wait, what? Oh, my God, what are you talking about? But people shut up and play along. The corporations did it. Okay, the pro sports leagues did it. The college athletics commissions did it. Okay, your kid's school is doing it. They're playing along because they don't want to get lemon dropped. And at their core, as they all just, you know, suck it up and pay up, they all know the truth. Boys are boys from the beginning. If you were born a boy, you stay a boy. Girls are girls right from the start. If you were born a girl, you stay a girl and grow up to be a lady. The show that's standing up to big tech. Get those nerds! Nerd! You're listening to Fox Across America. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We are, of course, on the bottom of the ninth here on the radio, taking my talents over to the TV after this. I will be on the bottom line with David McDowell and Sean Duffy at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And tonight at 9 p.m., I will be joining the Sean Hannity Show in front of a live studio audience right here at Fox News headquarters. But joining us right now for a big breaking news update as it pertains to Mikey Mondays. For those of you listening at home, our producer Mikey is a 25-year-old hot mess. We're trying to find Mikey a woman. And Scott says he may have a lead on Mikey out in Richland, Michigan. Yo, Scott. What's up, Jimmy? Uh, uh, you, Scott. I mean, this is a big break. <laughs> this is bombshell testimony the American people are about to receive. What can you tell me about this lead? Well, you know, I've only asked. I haven't heard back from her whether this is even legal to do. Um, <laughs> but I believe in miracles. And, you know, this this could be a miracle. Who knows? Oh, uh, She's amazing, Jimmy. She's amazing. Really? Well, Mikey's. A, she, I think she's got a couple years on him, but oh, okay. I don't think that's. He seemed fine with that. No, so, you know, Mikey's. I mean, he has to. Mm-hmm. He's got to check some boxes before anything really happens. But I think he's checking some boxes. And okay, well, listen. Does she watch like H? You know those HGTV shows, like those. You yeah, know, oh yeah, Housewives. Yeah. Like, Mikey's like a fixer upper. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's a good, oh, s- solid fixer upper in a nice neighborhood. I mean, he's on the fastest growing radio show in the world. It's not nothing, you know. No, I, I, that's. I mean, and Jimmy, she is. She's spectacular. She well, really is. Well, and I, I can't even believe it. So, well, then why, um, would you, why would you do I, this to the poor girl? 
<laughs> well, you know, one of the things is I was thinking, you know, does he like sports? Well, obviously I know he likes sports because I heard that episode the other day mm-hmm. when he was he was like, have you gotten around to calling that girl? And he was like, well, the game was on. So um, <laughs> I know sports isn't a problem. So uh, that box is checked. All right. I, didn't, I don't know if they like the same team or not, but. That's all right. He's got a job. He's func- she's functions. He's, he's religious. She, she's religious too, Mikey? Is that what you're telling me? Okay. Yeah, she is. Yeah. No, that works. No, this is all this 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 progress is this everywhere. Is good stuff. Yeah. And you know what, Jimmy? If if they get in contact today, mm-hmm. if it happens, they'll always have Groundhog Day. <laughs> it would make sense because most of Mikey's leads only happen once a year, so that would make sense. Yeah. There. Um. Uh, you know, Jimmy, do I got one second? Yeah, one second because the show's going to end. But go ahead. I think. I, I hear your uh, your doubt about Trump a little bit. And I oh, no, I'm going to lose. We don't have a Trump second. I literally have four seconds left, Mr. Analysis. Yep. Go find Mikey a date. I'll be back here tomorrow to talk Trump. Have a great night, everybody. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.